0: Welcome to another fabulous episode of Tickle.Life's podcast and today we have like a special show for you where we're going to talk about sexuality, women's sexuality and I have like two awesome guests. Usually you only get one guest, now you get two guests. It's so exciting. All right, so I'll start. I'm Gaia Morissette, I'm your hostess with the mostess and who wants to go first? Shakun? let's start with you. Who are you? Tell tell the audience who you are (laughs) and what you do.
1: I'm the founder of Tickle.life and my name is Shakun. And thank you so much, Kaya, for having me here. And I'm really excited to finally be a part of Tickle.life podcast. I'm really looking forward to this this episode. So thank you so much again.
0: Oh, you're welcome. All right, Angel. All right, Um, I'm Angel Russell.
2: Um, I use they, them pronouns. I um, am the creator and content producer, blah, 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 all the things behind ProfessorSex.com. I am a certified sexuality educator and I'm also a certified sexual assault victims advocate.
0: And, and I'm super excited to have you on the show. This is the first time you and I have ever interacted or met.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, like, I see your face everywhere. And so it feels like we know each other. But I realized we, av- until this morning, I was like, we've well, never spoken. So <laughs> never spoken. This, this is very exciting. It is very cool to make this connection. So it's a very so kindred happy. spirit and feeling.
0: Yes, Shikun, thank you for the, <laughs> thank you for
2: the matchmaking.
0: <laughs> okay, so... let's talk about sexual education. Let's each share, we're going to share our own personal stories about what our sex life, with sexual education was like as a kid. Mm. So who wants to go first?
1: I would love to know about Angel first.
0: Oh yeah, okay, I'll go. (laughs) uh,
2: This is always fun for people to hear about, I think because, and sorry, mom, if you hear this, I I never want uh, to like, sound like I'm disparaging my roots because I'm not, but I was raised by two youth pastors. Um, My mom was a women's minister. My dad was the music minister in our church. And so raised as like the kid of church leadership in a very small church in a very tiny town in the middle of the desert. And so it was nothing but like eyes on me all the time. And so a lot of my upbringing felt like a little bit like being under a microscope, you know, like just everybody watching. And that did translate into messaging I got about sex education. So we didn't really get sex ed in school. I did remember one Nova miracle of life video where we had to watch a baby being born. And that was purely horrifying. It was eighth grade and I wanted nothing to do with it and um and my parents were sex positive in that context so mm-hmm. they were very like like they would make out in front of us all the time and they were very like you just wait till you get married because then it's going to be awesome you know so the message was wait till marriage mm-hmm. but the message was also like it will be awesome so it was very like i think unique in that way like it wasn't this sex is only for making babies mm-hmm. i was taught that sex was an important part of intimacy i was taught that sex is an important part of relationship building but my educate my upbringing was very heteronormative. My upbringing was very um cisgender. my upbringing was very much about relationships or two people, man and wife in the eyes of God. And so sex was like a very holy and sacred part of that union, but it was designed for that context. And so a lot of my sex I just kind of revolved around that. And so a lot of the the sex that I, I think I wished I had gotten sooner it was kind of, well, you don't need this information because you're not going to be using it because you're waiting till you're married to have sex. So I didn't need information about condoms. And I went on birth control, but that's because I had bad periods. So it, you know what I mean? It was just, mm-hmm. it was all very like, you don't need this. I was one of the kids who wore, have you guys heard of the groups of folks who do like purity rings? Have you heard of this?
0: Uh, no, but yes, but maybe the audience hasn't. So let's explain, I'll explain that okay. a little bit.
2: So a purity ring, it's this culture of... Um, young, mostly young women. Um, I don't think I ever knew any young man who had to wear one, um, or who was asked to wear one, but the idea is that you're like, it's like a commitment ceremony, like marriage style. So you wear the ring on your wedding finger and you're making a commitment to not to like save yourself for marriage. And so the idea is that you're committing to God, but you make this commitment as a young woman with your father. And so like, it's a ceremony where the dads, it's like a father-daughter dance and there's like a dinner and the dads like make a, like they pledge to help like protect your purity. And then you like agree to it. And so that was a big thing in our church was we had these purity pledges and I had, I did have a purity. It was a beautiful ring. It was like a little heart, um, with like a, the design was like a gift wrap and it was like a little gift wrap heart. And I, it kind of, like, I think about it now and it doesn't sit with me as being like an authentic part of like my sexuality, but like, I, I did think the heart behind it was really precious. I, I, it was very, um, it was meant to be sweet, I think, Mm
1: -hmm. but I think it
2: didn't unpack a lot of, a lot of what's true for how people have sex. You know what I mean? Like, it just was very, like, it really was hard selling, abstinence. And it was very skewed towards the girls. So the boys didn't make the same, they were kind of, there was just this idea that like boys will be boys kind of. And Mm -hmm. so all the virginity messaging and all the purity messaging was all the audience was the girls in the room. And so Mm -hmm. yes, it did apply to the boys, but also not it was girls who like had this gift they were gonna give away or it was gonna be ruined. Did you want to give your gift to someone that wasn't your husband? You know, it was very like towards so so, yeah, that's the environment that that I got sex ed in.
0: Thank you so much for sharing. That's awesome. All right, Shikun, you want you wanna talk about your sexual education in India? You know,
1: while while hearing two angels, what I can what I can say is the ways might be different, but the information and sex ed was so similar. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. women. You can't go and buy a condom. You know, uh, while growing up, we used to watch Hollywood movies and we would see, uh, you know, the characters making out, kissing, and we all would be, oh my God, I wish I could go to US or I could go to, you know, you know because Hollywood was US so that I could at least show public display of affection because it was so not... Oh, yeah accept it mm-hmm. uh, you're growing up you look at men you look at boys and you, you're just like oh should I talk to him and you know they're looking at you and should I t- you know should I talk to her but you just could not talk to each other so sex was something you're going to have it once you get married mm-hmm. but you're not going to express it openly mm-hmm. so you do not hold hands you do not kiss you do not even say I love you if you want to whatever happens happens you know in your bedroom so that oh. was the yeah. So
0: so was there a belief around that what happens in the bedroom that everything's available in the bedroom, or that um, it own like like you're not even allowed to do some of that stuff in the bedroom?
1: See see, Gaia. The thing is, you have to be married. Yeah. Like, so after is... you've been
0: married. So like after you got the message that okay, you got married. And now you're like okay, I'm in the bedroom.
1: <laughs> what were you allowed to do and in the then program? and then you just like you know you just you just figure out because there's nothing called sex ed in the mm-hmm. real sense you are taught in school like at least I was taught in school like I discussed with you I went to a missionary school and and a priest came to teach us sex ed where they showed us a video and there was a big utensil and you know and the message was if you have sex before you get married you will go to hell, and this is what happens to you in hell. You're fried and you're eaten by devils. So, so as, as I feel like I've is, seen that video. <laughs> yeah.
2: Maybe. Something very may- similar.
1: <laughs> maybe, because you know the, the, that, that's what I'm trying to say. The messaging has been so sane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a guy to answer you, we don't know what consent is. We still do not know what consent is. So, when we do not know what consent is, what happens in the bedroom, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We still you know even if you look at porn a lot of people watch asian porn and if you look at you know asian the porn that you know that is created the girl doesn't know what's happening you know she she's made to do things it's yeah. it's it's the same the the guy knows everything the guy has experience the woman is not supposed to have experience she's supposed to be a virgin when you get married mm. so so that's what i'm saying you know it's so interesting that i do see that there's so much which is similar mm-hmm. Only expression and language is different.
0: So did, what was it like with your peers? Like your, like Mm. when you were hanging out with your, you know, same age girls, were you talking about it? Were you not talking about it? Were like- Absolutely. Absolutely, which one?
1: (laughs) we were talking talking about it it. because because see what is being told us not to do we all would be curious of what is happening yes and we all were developing we all you know it was the age of globalization we're getting to see things you're getting to experiencing but we're not supposed to do them Mm -hmm. you know so when you're not yeah
0: i was gonna say so uh, an angel what about you what were your peers
2: oh oh yeah there was a definitely so um I had a group of friends. It, it, it's interesting the I, I didn't, um, we didn't talk as openly about sex. Uh, it was always, there was always a context. I like, I've never had that question come up before but now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm realizing I had, we all had um, like our wedding journals, like our wedding, like our, like the, 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 you were planning the wedding of your dreams as like a little girl. And, um, and I don't know if that sounds familiar to either one of you, but it was like a binder and you would clip out pictures from Cosmo and magazines. And it was this whole, like what my dream wedding is going to look like and what my dream husband is going to look like. But all of it was around this like fantasy of, because then I will have unlocked the door and I will be al- I will be having sex. And so it, it was like permission to have the fantasy came through this avenue of, the fantasy had to include a fantasy around what the wedding would look like and what being a bride would be like and what the perfect husband would look like. And so you had to build the fantasy in a way to give yourself permission to have the discussions about sex. So I we didn't we didn't talk a lot about um I I remember sneaking a lot of peeks at like Cosmo magazine. Like I loved going to the doctor's office with my mom because they always had like Cosmo (laughs) and Maxim. And I just thought that was the, the greatest content in the world. Like again, looking back, not necessarily in line with my ideals, but that was it. That's how I got my sex ed. I, I don't think baby angel would ever have dreamed of looking at porn. I think I would have just shriveled up and died, but I, um, I was very like, that was like, that was the closest thing I could get to porn was how openly they talked about sex. And then I remember getting the internet. And I remember when (laughs) like, we got the internet at our house and I remember that I spent, God, my parents, uh, I, I probably put my parents through so much. I don't know how much they knew about, but like looking back now, I was not a safe internet baby. I spent a lot of time in a, in instant messenger chat rooms having dig, virtual sex. Mm. And it was probably just with other like teenage girls. Like <laughs> we, were, we were probably just all in those chat rooms together, like role-playing. But like, oh, I had, my favorite thing was to be home alone with like unfettered access to the internet. like while my parents were at work or just like my favorite thing was to be alone with the computer and just, and I didn't even do anything about it. Like I wasn't a big masturbator. I just would like, it was, that's where I talked about sex it was I would like role play in these chat rooms with, and have like cyber sex in these chat rooms. And it's today has made me like a great sexter. Like I am, I'm an A plus. Like and I, And it's funny because I've noticed, I like prefer to discuss sex Like in writing, like I get a little, I can talk about other people's sex lives, straight face all day. But when I talk about my own, I get like real blushy and weird, but if I can write it down or like shoot you an email about it or like text it to you, then it's like fire. Like, so I've noticed that like that, that has imprinted on like how I express sex now. So
0: that's awesome. All right, my sexual education. Um, So I grew up in a Catholic school. So I had like a very strange kind of world. So at home, I had like a super open household. Like we could talk about sex. We could talk about anything. Like it was completely open. My mother had every religion possible book in the bathroom. And so, like, you would go to the bathroom, you'd be like, oh, what am I going to learn about today? I'm going to like, oh, I'm going to Bhagavad learn- Gita while you're going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so it was like this really, like, surreal, like, I would go to school and it was very Catholic and that you were basically, as a woman, you were going to hell because you were a woman. That's just the, pro- that's just, that's just the way it is. You have a vagina, so you're going to hell. Catholic's love woman. <laughs> second, definitely, you are not allowed to have sex. You're not allowed to like sex. You're not allowed to have, sex is only for procreation. And even that, you should feel ashamed of. Like, that was the messages that were very imprinted in school. And yet, then I would come home, and I'd have, like, Hinduism and, and, you know, paganism, and I'd have, like, all the different religions on the toilet in the back. And I'd be like, oh, all right, well. So it was this really weird. I I had always the struggle between what I was being taught in school and in my religion and what I felt was right for me. And also, I was allowed to ask questions like why I was like a why baby, right? I was like, why is the sky blue? Why is that I get an answer? I'd be like, why I was like, so curious all the time. So it it's this really weird thing. So in grade six, we finally get sex education. And at this point, my friends have all come over to my house now and my mom's already been talking to us about sex, right? So like we, like my little inner inner circle are already more educated than the teacher that is going to teach us about sex education in grade six. It's a great starting point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Was you, were you embarrassed like that your friends, that your parents were so open? Was that like good for you? Or was that like a little like, oh God, mom, don't embarrass me?
0: No, that was good for me. I always felt like, I always felt more like, what is wrong with other parents like if from that perspective like i would go to other people's houses and i was like i felt so weird like why are we not talking about things like there's all these like weird social norms that i didn't understand because in my household like you're hungry you go to the fridge you come over to somebody somebody comes over to your house there's a rule like the first time you're over you're a guest after that you know where the fridge Your family is. You're now family, right? Like, (laughs) you know? And so it was like all of these little nuances. I just felt out of place because at home was this other world. And at the rest of the world, I was supposed to behave in a certain way that I never got right. (laughs) So I was always in trouble. So we're here we are. We're grade six the the our teacher which is like we didn't have sexual educators back then right like it was just the the curriculum of the teacher so Yes, yeah, like your so, pe teacher is also teaching yeah. sex education right and and that's the way it was in canada and so Here's our grade six teacher, which I don't think she's ever had sex. Like, I don't think she likes sex. I don't think she's ever had sex. Like she was so embarrassed. We were supposed to have like a whole curriculum. This is our whole sex education and we had, One two hour class. That was it because she was so embarrassed the whole time. Her face was red. She was angry because, of course, we got you know we're getting an anatomy lesson basically, you know, about testicles. And every time you know kids, grade six, we're like, look at the penis, right? We're all giggling and laughing because you know, and she was like, stop it, stop
2: it. Have you seen that movie Teen Witch? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so guy, okay, you gotta watch Teen Witch. It's terrible, it's like very campy, but there's a scene where the sex, where the teacher's doing the sex education and the class is just harassing her and they're like chanting
0: condoms and she's like, just take it seriously. Like <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what sex education was. And that was it, like we didn't get anything else. That was like grade six was our one opportunity. <laughs> and, and you know, the teacher failed. And so there, everybody in my grade, basically the rest of our, you know, going growing up, like we got no more sex ed in school. That was it. We got one opportunity, one chance, and, and the teacher failed. So screw can us. You,
2: can you imagine if that applied to like anything else? Like if all the math you were ever going to learn, you learned in sixth grade, and then you were never going to get any other math again. So you better remember all the math you ever learn in sixth grade and they better not miss anything you're ever going to need ever again. Like, can you imagine, like, I mean, I meet people and sometimes I really think that's what their education was like, but can you like imagine (laughs) if that's how they did school with everything
0: else? I know. I know. So yeah. So that was my sex ed. Basically I got a really great sex ed at home and at school, not so much. And then from a peer perspective, it was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So from a peer perspective, because I was super acquisitive right so I remember this one moment grade six you know we the family would go around the table my dad would go around the table sitting down we eat dinner and he'd be like so what did you learn today and what did you learn today and what did you learn today and you know I'm the oldest of six kids so and so it eventually gets to my turn and I'm like <laughs> my dad's like so what did you learn today I'm like mom what's a blow job <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And my mom. Did he answer I, you? He did. She was. She was stellar in that moment. She was stellar in that moment. She said, without even like a, like taking a breath she's like actually it's called fellatio and they're sucking it's sucking and not actually blowing she's like i'm not really sure why they call it a blow job because you don't really (laughs) blow on it you suck it and my dad is like you know yelling at my mom and yelling at me and we're just completely ignoring him he spit out his you know his food and we're like whatever right so so there was such a contrast so because of that all my friends i knew way more than everybody so if anything I probably became a sex educator at, in the age of being in grade six, because my friends would come to me and they'd be like, what's this? And I'd be like, well, this is what this is. (laughs) Or if somebody would ask me at school, what's this? I'm like, I don't know. I'll go home and ask, and I'd go home and ask. And my mom would tell me, and then I'd come back to school and then I'd teach everybody like what it was. That's amazing.
2: That's so good.
0: (laughs) But that's not the norm in Canada. I just need to, I need to preface that. <laughs> that's probably not the
2: norm anywhere. It would be cool if it was. It was. It's oh. like that show, Sex Education.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's, I mean, we make that joke with my son a lot. My son is more like the, the child character in Sex Education, where he's a very um, reluctant member, uh, or like, he, he's not, he loves what I do he doesn't, he's like, you were saying, he doesn't understand other people's parents. He's like, what is going on at other people's houses? But he also does not think his friends could handle like knowing what I do. Mm -hmm. So it's not that he's embarrassed of me. It's more that he just like, doesn't want to deal with the like drama. So when I, we were, when he was in fifth grade, so my daughter would have been in second or third grade. And, you know, um, you had, they hand out Valentine's at school still when they're in the lower grades. And so we're all at the table and we're all making Valentine's for everybody to take to school in the morning. Cause it's the last minute. Cause that's what we do. And somehow they brought up, I have a sticker on the back of my car. That's Reed Mahalko's like sex geek sticker. And it mm-hmm. says, and it was on the back of my car for like so long. And you don't think about your bumper stickers, right? Like they're on there and then you forget about them. And the kids were like, yeah. So when you drop us off, other kids go, ha That car says sex. And I'm like, who has time to read my bumper stickers in the drop-off line for one? But I was like, okay, is this new? And they're like, no, it's been all year. (laughs) And I was like, well, what did you, why didn't you say anything? And they're like, well, we didn't, we didn't want you to feel bad. And I was like, well, I don't want you guys getting picked on. And they're like, well, we don't care what a bunch of kids think. Like, and they were like protecting me because they thought, and I think my son just like internalized that. And so Mm -hmm. he like he's very protective of me. And so I think he's worried that his friends will like tease him and that I'll feel bad about it. So, but he's going to be 14 and he's starting to lighten up a little and he's asking more questions. So.
0: Excellent.
1: Excellent. (laughs) I tried to ask my nephew, Hey, do you want to know about something that you know, you cannot ask your mother or anyone. And he was like, aunt, no, sorry. You know, you're in the, I don't feel comfortable talking to you. I was like, hello. <laughs> I run a sex tech startup. Please ask me questions. But nobody is I don't think so. They believe in me.
2: No but cool I'm, Aunt Chiccoon, huh? <laughs> not
1: at all. Well, I was,
0: it was really interesting that it was almost like my mom was super awesome with me. And then it just became like, then she got lazy and then it was just my job to educate all of my siblings. Really? So like at each one of them, when they got to that certain age where they were starting to date boys, I'm like, okay, it's time for the talk. You know, <laughs> My siblings are like, I don't want the talk. I'm like, I don't care. We're having the talk. Yes, I tell
2: my kids, I'm like, sit down, we're doing it. And like the four of us will just sit in the kitchen, me and Steve and the kids, and we all sit in the kitchen. And it's great because as much as they're like, I don't (laughs) want to do this, then all of a sudden they're asking questions. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I remember teaching my sister, I'm like, okay, so here's how you have sex with a boy. And then here's how you have sex with a girl. She's like, I'm not going to need to know that. (laughs) I'm like, you don't know whether you're going to need to know this or not. So years go by, I get a phone call, and she's like, thank you so much for teaching me that I just had sex with my first girl. I was prepared. I was totally prepared.
2: <laughs> Nothing like thinking about your sister the first time you have lesbian sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well and when she gave it was funny the first time she had like a full-on orgasm because I remember teaching her about orgasms and what they can look like and when you like have like a full body experience you're like throwing pillows and you're screaming and you're fighting and you're all this stuff and she's like That seems really uncivilized. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but that's 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 what you want. You want to let go of control, right? Your body's just going to take over and you're not going to be very civilized at all. Right. So she finished. She has this for her first orgasm in college like this, and she calls me. (laughs) up. And she's whispering. She's like, oh my God, it had happened and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why are you whispering? She's like, I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, you're still with the boy? She's like, yeah, I'm still with the boy, but I have to go and tell you, you're right. That's a
2: great story.
1: I have to go and this too.
2: <laughs> I have That's
1: to call
0: her. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the struggles that women have around sexuality in society, across on a global level? Who wants to go first?
2: I think Shakun should start since I had to go first last time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you totally got thrown under the bus. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, you. you know, you know um, while I was hearing to what you guys were sharing, I just could find so many struggles that at least I had to go through. I've never been given proper sex education at home
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know not from a siblings also I've not had a chat with my sibling you know about sex I don't even know what they think they must be just assuming but the worst part is it really really makes me angry is people sending me messages at least from India oh my god you're brave and, you know, when you ask them, why do you think I'm brave? And then they say, oh, you're talking about sex. You know, that's actually the biggest struggle. Men can talk about sex. They can, you know, they can joke. They can share those images. They can share those new pictures. But you would not expect the same out of a woman. And if a woman does, you will put her in a, on a different pedestal. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a feeling, or actually I have, I was completely amazed thinking that that might be a very Indian thing. But now, thanks to the exposure, I see it happening global. I just think that women are not different. Women are still treated the same. They are not at par with men or even at par with any other gender. Women are women. You're supposed to be weak. You're not supposed to know things. Or if you know things, that means you're not, you're unique. And sometimes unique is used in a negative sense.
2: Yeah, it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. That that that's what I I think. Like here, uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of people around me get married early, just because you know, one is they want to have sex. A second is their family think they might end up having sex, it's so might as well, different. you know. And just imagine you just let go of a lot of things that you were supposed to do. You have kids. You're the one who has to sacrifice you can't expect to be very vocal about your sexual needs and if you are then you're going to get like hundreds and thousands of you know messages on your you know in your inbox that hey i find you hot hey i want to do this i want to do that and i actually saw like a screenshot that angel shared on facebook
0: i and saw that so- this morning too i'm like uh-huh. yeah yeah, let's Talk about penis pictures, the random
1: penis, <laughs>
0: penis pictures that get sent to you because you talk about sexuality.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, Steve, like is a saint. So my, my husband, uh, he filters all of our, like, <clears throat> excuse me, all my email from the website goes, like, if you are on the website and you click email us, it goes to Steve before it comes to me. He's like, Angel, you have no idea the amount of like dick pics that I filter out of that you never even see it come in. So so all these dudes are sending dick pics to my husband and they don't even know. So and I just always think that's the funniest thing is that my husband's inbox is full of dudes with like, hey baby, and like <laughs> they think they're talking to me.
0: They're <laughs> no, not talking to my husband.
2: And I just get a lot of like glee from that. <laughs>
0: And yeah, I mean, you know, every time I open up my messenger, I'm like, okay. I know. This is what, like if it's not somebody who I know, I'm like, uh, open it up, look through my fingers. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um and it's it's a really it's one I'm going to, you know, it's it's traumatic. It's it's disrespectful. It's uh, harassment. It's it is harassment. You know, if you exposed yourself publicly, um, there would be criminal charges in Canada, anyways. There'd be criminal charges for that. So why is it okay to just send it over to randomly to the internet? And it's it's just it's it's a space around. I think again that women are here as sexual gratification we are here as objects we're not here as sexual beings that are part of sexual interactions but we are the objectification of what it is that because they found us attractive that therefore we need to do something with that and i think that from a on a global level i think that's more of the issues is about how we see women as sexual as sexual women's sexuality, women's sexual empowerment, our ability to express our sexuality. That's I think more of the problem. And I think the reason why we fear that is because there's nothing more powerful on the planet that somebody who has embraced their sexual empowerment. Yeah. And their voice because you can't control yeah. them. You can't suppress them. You can't own them. And that's terrifying. And so systematically throughout history, that's what's been done. And that's what's been done to women around our, the best way to a process is to rip our sexuality away from us of an, a place of an empowerment. So there, I got on my little diet. No, it's like, Next.
2: yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like my, when I think about like, barriers for women, um, in sexuality. And I think about like the, the, the double standard, you know, what men can get away with, of what men are allowed to do. And I, and I, I guess I want to build a little bit of a fence around it. I actually don't identify as a woman, but I was raised as one. I have very feminine expression. And so, um, in that sense, I very much can relate to like that part of it where I, I wasn't raised in an environment. I wasn't raised in the, in the boys locker room. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't in on those conversations, but I, if I had had to have this conversation a year ago, I might've had a different feel for it, but I've worked at a rape crisis center for a year. And mm-hmm. so I get to see a very dark side of the side effects of this messaging mm-hmm. and, um, the, this idea that, and it's not the, and yes, um, Men do get assaulted. Yes, like it's not that women are, but assault is very much about power, mm-hmm. and it very much does come from this messaging that the power lies. We mostly tell men that they're the ones who have the power. Yeah, we mm-hmm. mostly tell. Well, what we say is like the the power is in whoever has a dick. Like, that's yeah. what it boils down to. It even reduces men to their penis. Like, it doesn't even honor men's humanity and men's sexuality yeah. and men's fantasy and men's emotions. Like, even the full range of how men would express is so limited because all, and I, and I, I used to think, oh, it's just this Puritan thing. I was just raised in this really like, tight bubble, but the more I have conversations with people, everyone is saying the same things. There's like this echo that we've like boiled sexual power down to one appendage mm-hmm. and we put so much there. And then everything else is like a pre like, like, like a secondary to, or like submissive to. So like all the power is here. And, yes. um, so when you think about, uh, and, and I think that's why feminism and like the vulva as imagery are very tied together, Because um, not because all women have a vulva, but because for a really long time, the messaging was you have a penis, you have the power. And so there was a sense of, well, we're taking power back. And it was a counter imagery, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I think talking about pleasure and talking about pleasure for bodies of the vulva and talking about pleasure for feminine folks and talking about expressing sexuality in a way that is feminine applies to men and women because Mm -hmm. sexuality is very openly talked about in very masculine terms, very dominant terms and very like sweep her off her feet terms. Well, what about her? What are some yeah. only swept off her feet? I like being on my own two feet, you know, whatever. So this mm-hmm. idea that like, that the the feminine is uh, less than inferior. And so it very, it's very, yeah, I think that yeah, messaging you know, is.
1: Yeah. And, and that has actually, um, you, you know, formed a gap for, for women as to what they really want. And what they've been brought up thinking that they want. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 so large that you know it will take so so much time and effort to actually fill that. Like a very interesting example, I was talking to somebody who's into pharmaceuticals and they are creating uh products for libido, for women libido. And while talking, you know, the, the kind of inputs that these guys had, they said that most of the products which were for libido, men buy for their wives. It's like mm-hmm. what? <laughs> they said, yeah, men buy for their wives. So when we create them, we market them for men. And it's like, but how does that make sense? If a woman is supposed to have those, then why not, you know? He said, because women do not know. They depend on men.
0: But I think it's also too that women aren't allowed to. I
1: was gonna, you took the words that, right a, out of my yeah, mouth. I was like,
0: "Yeah, yeah
2: me, there's what, I, what I'm told to want, like what I think I want, what I actually want, and what I'm allowed to want. Exactly. Like, yeah right out of my mouth. Yeah.
0: Because we like kind of coming back to this whole empowered space, right? When you are fully empowered and, you know, we're talking about, you know, owners of vaginas right now. Okay. So all the owners of the vaginas, right. When we're tapped in, we are connected both like on a, an emotional level, on a physical level, on a spiritual level that we are, everything starts and ends there. And connection to that force that life force energy is like you are a tsunami like that feminine energy of the universe is not delicate and foo-foo and blossoming flowers opening
2: no it's forceful it's and powerful,
0: powerful. yeah yeah it's like a tsunami it right? creates life it creates life and it can also destroy life and both of those things are power and it's in mm-hmm. that place of But we're not allowed to find that we're not allowed to find that within ourselves, because if we find that within ourselves, change happens around us, our relationships happen around us, how we see the world happens around us, what we no longer put up with changes. You know,
2: it's making me think of that. Do you remember, I guess it was last year or the year before when there started to be a lot of controversy around that Christmas song, baby, it's cold outside. Does that sound familiar? Okay. So the song, um, the song is baby it's cold outside and it's a, it's a duet and it's a man and a woman and he's trying to talk her into staying in for a drink and she's trying to deny him and say, no, I have to go. And there's some, like recently there was some controversy that the song is like a little bit rapey and, and I don't folks who, um, folks who don't agree that it's like kind of, cause the idea is that he's like coercing her into staying and talking her into staying and there. She's like got this line, like what's in this drink? Like, and they're like, oh, he drugged her. And, and people are saying, well, what's the context of the song? The song was written in like the forties or like the late forties or early fifties here in the U.S. And the context is that this was not a time when we allowed women pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so if you remember that context and you read the lyrics to the song and you listen to the song in context, what you have is a woman, and it's, and the, the whole tone is a woman who very much wants to be in this situation with this man, but very much has, she has family members to answer for, like, what's my mom gonna think? What's my dad gonna think? what are the neighbors going to think? There's like one long that says the neighbors might think, you know, whatever they might talk about us. And so she's worrying about all the social messaging and she's worrying about all the backlash. And she's worrying about all the messages that she said, I should say no, like is one of the lines. She doesn't want to say no. She doesn't know how to say yes. So she has to at least like one of the lines is at least they can say, at least I can say that I tried. I can say that I tried to say no to you. And then here I am. And you can tell like the whole line is this woman reacting to social messaging that she should not be in this situation with this man alone, having drinks and staying in. And he's like, but it's cold Just stay. It's cold outside. You can't go out in the cold. You just got to stay in by the fire. I'll cuddle you. And so he's getting her to stay and he's telling her, enjoy your pleasure. Enjoy your moment. And so I think a reading of it is rapey really um, ignores the realities of how we talk about the female pleasure, how we talk about women's pleasure. And it's, I, yeah, I really, um, and I I will admit like the first time I heard somebody say, this sounds a little rapey. I listened to that criticism. I was like, okay, I could see. And if you go back and look at the lyrics, like it's not unfounded. Like it is a little, it is coercive, but we talk about, we don't know what consent is is because we tell women they have to not want this. They have to stay pure. They have to say no. And then we don't like that. If you say yes, you're a slut. If you say yes, there's something wrong with you. You say yes, you know that you're, that the criticism is on the women for saying yes, not on the men for wanting it. Right. And so women who um, are empowered to say yes, it's a different type of social criticism. Mm -hmm. So I either don't admit that I want this because I'm very scared of that backlash. And then there's, then I am constantly gaslighting myself. Like, did I want that? Didn't I want that? I don't even know what I want. So there's no consent there. Cause I don't know what I want,
1: yeah.
2: or I know exactly what I want, but I'm so afraid of what people will say Absolutely. and how I'll be treated. So yeah, Absolutely. it's of course people don't know what consent is. Like yeah, we don't yeah. give people permission
0: to say yes. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to. So if we're not allowed to, how are we supposed to do it? And the mm. consequences is more than my desires, is more than, okay, my desires say one thing, but society says I shouldn't, I, there's something wrong with me for having those desires. There's something, and, and there's gonna be consequences. There's gonna be consequences from our, my peers. There's gonna be consequences from, you know, I'm gonna be ruined. I'm like, all of these things around female sexuality is all about, you're not supposed to want it, like it. And not really give it, you're not supposed to give it away until you get married. And then you're married, then then you're supposed to want it all the time. And you have to and you never say no to your husband. And then you like, never say no. So that's the no. second message. So it's like now you're not allowed to have it, you're not allowed to want it. And then you're and then like you have, you have to, then you have to want it. A magical switch just flips.
2: And <laughs> it's, you want it all the time, and I, there's something wrong with you if you don't, and you owe it to your husband. You know, because it was his to begin with, and you saved it for him. So it always belonged to him even before he knew you. So it's his to take whenever he wants it. Like marital rape laws is a whole podcast. Don't give me up on that soapbox. Like, you know, ah, so yeah.
1: If if I can add something to it, I'll also add from the, uh, you know, from the men's point of view, they've been brought up to expect. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you're brought up to expect you actually do not know what to do with a woman who knows what is right and what is wrong or what do I want and what I do not want. Mm-hmm. And you know, and even the woman has been brought up thinking that the man would never get it. Even if you know, so so there's always so much tussle with communication. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, relationships do not survive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's also like like, you know, like sometimes I really feel comfortable if I'm sitting with a woman and and she'll be very, very explicit about what her what you know, what she needs, what she wants. She will be very loud about it. And I'm not somebody who is. So I would feel a little uncomfortable. Oh my God, is she making sense or is she not making sense? Is she just going with the flow because the world is talking about women and their rights? Or, or does she really mean it? You know, so these questions starts coming in. So, so I always believe that we have to, and, and I really loved when you gave the explanation of that song that, you know, like now you you understand that, you know, everybody has come from a different place altogether. So at least in India, we people are going out, we've started getting into living relationships. We have boyfriends, we have girlfriends, we have, you know, relationships before marriage, but we still come with a lot of hassle and a lot of baggage. Some of us might still be lying at home that, okay, you know what? I'm staying in a living relationship or, oh my God, I have a boyfriend and I would not introduce that unless I'm really serious about him. So Mm -hmm. I'm just saying it's, it's very interesting to start finding that level or that, you know, point that it is not yes or no. Yeah. Most Mm -hmm. of the time it is going to be maybe because it's just, it's the evolution stage.
2: And what's under the maybe like that's a, that's, and that's why I like the consent model that switches from no means no into something that looks for a yes, because it does recognize like nuance. So I, when I talk to people about consent, I talk about like, there's two kinds of maybe there's maybe that sounds interesting. I've never tried it. I'm not sure if I like it. I'm open to this conversation. Do I get a chance to change my mind? There's like a positive maybe. And then there's, I don't know how to tell you no. So I'm saying maybe passive aggressively and they both can look and sound the same, but a lot of, they're both packed in with all the social messaging that comes with an inability to say yes or no. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
2: if I don't know, if I don't have the information, I can't give a solid yes or no. So that's informed consent. If I don't feel safe and comfortable with you, I can't give a solid yes or no. So, you know, like it's, It's it's so much bigger than just do I want this thing? I have no idea if I want it. I've never been allowed to think about if I want it. I've never been allowed Mm -hmm. to conceptualize a world where I would be allowed to enjoy that thing you're asking me to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Do I want it? Like it looked really great in that porn, but we all know that that's not a good gauge, you know. (laughs) So like, you know, the other thing is like women in porn. I love feminist porn, but it's not easily accessible to everybody most Uh of the porn people get are just what they google for free and like and and I mean you talked about it a lot of porn really depicts women as being submissive a toy kind of yeah they're they're very much an object of the scene it's not about their pleasure it's it's about a tool for male pleasure
0: yeah that's true okay so Let's talk about because uh, you know you us three could talk for like <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so let's let's close it up. And start bringing it back into Shikun, Why did you create Tickle Dot Life? Like, what is it that you saw, and why you thought that? Okay, you know what the world and India need this. Tell us why
1: we've been talking about it since the start of this podcast, and even, you know, the discussion that we're having, there's a gap, there's maybe, there's there's no, you know, we've not been given the right. And I think it's high time that we at least start giving some opportunities, some resources to at least start figuring out for yourself, what do you want to filling that gap? And I think that is why Life is so important. And and if I'll say something, you know, that's, that's actually just repeating what we've been talking about. But I just think getting education, going to a good college, maths, studying maths for like 10 years, 12 years does not make you a fulfilled person. Sexuality is very important. And you can't treat sexuality as, you know, like, like something special, like a special pair of clothes that you might have, or, you know, special shoes that you will just wear once in a blue moon because I want to look nice. Sexuality is like the way you're having water or your coffee or your food. And we just have to start making believe that it is, you know, an integral part of themselves. And I think that is why life is needed. And when you ask like why India and why women, it was initially a very um, strategic decision because we saw that a lot of people from India were coming, a lot of women were coming, People who identify as women were coming and they were asking questions. They were expecting to find resources, even to buy. And then you just start realizing that maybe your own country, because me being an Indian, is ready. They're ready at least to listen or ready to at least explore, even if they're you know sitting in their bedroom with the doors closed. But they, they want more education than the education that they're getting from porn. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying porn is bad porn is not bad but porn is not the real sexuality like like when angel introduced you know and she used like i identify as they them i'm pretty sure 90 percent of us would not even understand what does that mean like huh and i was one of them like i was super scared of talking to people initially oh my god what if i use wrong pronouns like like what are these pronouns oh i have some you know different pronoun but I was taught in school you know so there's so much happening in the world and I just think India is ready and we are we women are ready and I think I think you guys would agree because you guys are working with Live. so I would just love to hear something from your end
0: what do you want to hear <laughs> what do you want to why know
1: <laughs> why do you guys are, like why are you guys working with Live? I think that will be a very good good point
2: um, you want
0: can go first
1: Angel
2: yeah okay so Russell stambaugh is a friend of mine um actually uh, we became friends online because i was like a big admirer of his research and then i was like networking and then now um we're we're much more friendly but um he had been posting stuff about tickle.life and so it came across my radar and this was when y'all were brand 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 new there was almost nothing up um we were just getting started and i reached out to him and i said i this looks." This looks like so important. I want to get involved. And I think it had a lot to do with how I got into sex ed because I was selling sex toys to women here in the U.S. And it was a lot of women using this opportunity to pull me aside and say, oh my God, I have all these questions and no one has ever been able to answer them for me. And here, I think I think the US is as, as behind as I feel like we are. I think we are a few steps ahead of where you guys are at in India. And so even in that space, there was so much that people didn't know. And women were, I was watching women open up. I was watching this little bit of information. I was able to give them really shift things in their lives and their relationships. And I knew how much power there was in that. And that's what built my whole career as a sex educator was from moments like that. And, um, and that's been my drive the whole time. And so when I saw what you guys were doing, I just lit something up in me and I was like, I, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it is, but any way that I'm able to be involved and help support this, that's where I need to be. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. So that's why I got involved with tickle dot life was I just immediately, you know, sometimes you just catch that like flame that the other person has and you just like, no. That's how it felt like the second I came across your content. And then I met you and I was like, all right, I'm in love. I'm in whatever these, you and Prague. I'm like, whatever these people tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Anytime I've ever had to write you and be like late on something, I was so like heartbroken. I'm like, I don't want to disappoint Shakun and Prague. Like I just, so yeah, like I just really believe in what you're doing and I want to support it.
0: I love it. Yay. So what about you, Gaia? Um, so, she, somebody came across an article I had written somewhere um, on the zillion things of content creation that I do. And <laughs> all uh, over the place. I love it. I am like <laughs> everywhere, right? So, um, and TickleDot Live had reposted it, like, had reshared it. And I was like, and I and I reached out and I was like, hey, thanks, man. Like, that's awesome. Thanks for, you know, resharing this. And then that's when Shakun reached out to me and we had a conversation. And what lit up for me was the fact that this amazing woman going against cultural norms, because you know, I'm all pro like rah-rah, you know, empowerment and especially female empowerment. And I was like, you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. What do I need to do? How can I how can I help this happen in the world? Because for me, empowerment, sexual empowerment, no matter what how you identify, no matter what you have between your legs, <laughs> is important to me. You know, that's part of my mission of making the world a safer, sexier, and happier place for us all. So ha- Shakun created this beautiful so good base on yeah. which on a global level that we could pool our resources that we could come together with not just one voice but many voices from many different perspectives so that people had options so it was like this beautiful space of like okay I want to learn about blowjobs we'll just take blowjobs for example yeah. all right there's like five different articles talking about different aspects of blowjobs from different perspectives. So I can choose, like, you know, you were talking, Shakun, that I can choose what resonates for me, that there's no right blowjob or wrong blowjob. There's just like lots of possibilities, which are my possibilities that are available to me. And that's what I love about Tickle Diet Life, is the whole, that we all come from, different perspectives, different places, and neither, none of us are right or wrong. It's just an opportunity for all of us to share our perspective with the world and for the world and the users to find all the possibilities in, in this wonderful place. It's one-stop shopping instead of having to seek out here and seek out here and seek out here.
1: See, see that, that's what I keep on saying, that it took me two years from that sex toy shop in Hague, which got me going, looking at all those toys and just feeling, shit, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm close to 30. I don't know anything. She's asking me questions, what I want to buy. And the reason why I'm giving her a fake story is because I don't know. Mm-hmm. And after that, taking two years to really find any information, that's bad. That's sad. Yeah. Taking two yeah. years. Cosmopolitan or other platforms they give you information, but they just give you information from a, you know, from an SEO point of view. What Obviously saying. it's
2: very much about advertising. Co- Cosmo selling a magazine, Maximus selling a magazine.
1: Yeah.
2: Even porn, I, what's the, my favorite saying is like learning to have sex by watching porn is like learning to drive by watching the Fast and the Furious. Like <laughs> porn is great. And I talk to my kids about, I've got kids that are at that age where they're on the internet all the time. I'm like, porn is super fun. The way action movies are super fun. The way your favorite TV show is super fun. It's highly edited. It's it's not what real life will look like. And you could put a lot of time and energy into getting one moment that might look like that. But that's not what your life will look like. And it's not a good way to learn. And yeah. so stuff
1: like this is like, Yeah. It's just like it's necessary. So cool that you just find everything that you're looking out for at one place rather than spending two years finding the first person you know, to talk to who gets you. Yeah. yeah. It's important. I it's important. It. I, I think most of the problems that in this world is because we have completely forgotten how sexuality is important. And and it's it's a struggle overall that, you know, uh, a lot of VCs don't listen to you. Companies don't listen to you. You go for shadow banning. But that's the problem. You're not letting people live. You don't let, you're not letting human being human. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's we a- need TikTok.
2: It's amazing the content that is allowed in spaces that's like very violent or very like a lot of like, we like violence and death are, and war. Those are all fine. Nobody censors that. But the moment you talk about sex or pleasure, you're censored. I have lost jobs because of professor sex. I had, I had to, I remember at one point I had to make a decision, Steve, and I had to sit down and decide either I'm. I abandon professor sex and try to get the best money-making job I can. That just has nothing to do with sex ed. Or I commit that this is what my life is. I stop hiding it on my resume. I stop hiding the website from people. I, st- I just commit to it and say like, this is who I am. And know that some of the consequence might be that like, there might be opportunities that aren't for me. And that was a really, from a financial standpoint, that was a very scary place to be in, but the, yeah, just being open about sex. I'm not even like what I'm doing. Isn't even like, super edgy. It's just very open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that freaks people way out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, you know, a quick story and then we'll close up, which is when I, before I did started being a holistic sexual wellness specialist, and that's what I did full time. I owned a pottery and drumming teaching studio for 12 years. And I did a lot of work with special needs at risk youth and a very art therapy background and when i changed my career i got blacklisted so even though for 12 years everybody in the community loved me somebody had special needs send them to gaia somebody's kids somebody's kids having like issues send them to gaia all this stuff and when i came out as this is the career change i was doing they, I got completely blacklisted because all of a sudden there was fear that, even though for twelve years you you entrusted me with your most fragile, delicate, like sacred honor of being around your people, and now because I talk about human sexuality, that I'm a predator. Or that there's something wrong or that there's something that I'm going to do that I wouldn't, that I, before I did this work, I wouldn't have done. And so it was a really fascinating, like, again, that piece of like, honoring and like, all right, well, I'm in this full, like, I'm like, that's it, my old curriculum. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I, I am now officially all about sexual education and healing. Yeah. So amazing. But it is amazing in that that piece that no matter where we are in the world, our own fears and the things of the imprinting that we've been taught on a social level is that sex is bad, sex is dirty, sex is something that we need to fear. And pleasure is not okay. And so... That's why we need tickle dot life. That's why we need all of us, all of us mm-hmm. who are stepping into the world to be like, all right, so this is Shakun, why people send you messages say you're so brave. Yes. Because <laughs> it, it's scary. It, it's scary. And it is brave to make this choice.
2: Yes, because it does close other doors and it, it, it does. is an adventure. And you probably have already seen that people just respond differently to you when you openly advocate for sex education, pleasure-based sex education, even if the pleasure is like subtext, the moment you empower people to learn, to honestly and openly learn about their bodies, learn about their sexuality and acknowledge that, like you said, sex is part of everything we do. It's not this thing we keep hidden away. It's a whole part of who we are. It should not be a revolutionary statement. It should be like, I have human sexuality and I have elbows. It should just be (laughs) like a thing, but it isn't. And until it is, it is very brave what you're doing. We're I think we're all in a space where we're living
1: everybody's brave. Like, like I'm in awe of all of you. Your story, Gaia's story. It's just like amazing. You know, really believing in an idea, believing in your thought process, believing in humanity. It's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, our audience, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you learned lots. I hope you were inspired. I hope you laughed. I hope you were like, woo. I hope you're a little shocked because that's important too.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> and uh, make sure that you listen to all the other fabulous episodes of Tickle.life's podcast. And make sure you go hang out at uh, Tickle.life. Thanks for being on the show. You guys were amazing.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Thank Ooh. <laughs>